Are you ready? Hey, you think you can tell us what to do? You think you can tell us what to wear? You think that you're better? Well, you better get ready. Bow to the masters. Break it down! Welcome to I'm Not Targeting, You're Targeting, talking mostly sports, mostly in the SEC, and mostly with the Bama bias. And now, time for your hosts. Tom was a regular starter on his peewee football teams. After high school, he took a relatively unknown intramural college football team and had them one win from the playoffs. Late in his college career, he was a two-sport star and relinquished his college eligibility to enter the NBA draft. As an undrafted free agent, he turned to sports gambling and poker to make ends meet. Now he's here to share his life experiences and general sports knowledge with the world. He's Tom Sims, he's Rush Chairman, and he's damn glad to meet ya. His sidekick, who hails from Parts Unknown, Red Bay, he claims he can beat any listener at Galka, which is probably correct considering you guys have like eight listeners. He has three Fortnite Victory Royale solo wins. He's been known to weeble and wobble, but he's never fallen down. He has the face for radio and the voice for newspaper, Mr. Jason Tiffin. Welcome in to another episode of I'm Not Targeting, You're Targeting, and we're calling this episode 9. I wanted to call it 8B as in bog, but Tom said we should stick with our numbering system and not get the alphabet into it. Now, I can see his point, but uh, the reason we're even having to preface this is it's not going to be a regular type of podcast. Uh, I looked at just after this weekend... I felt like there were a lot of topics that I wanted to cover I would like us to talk about, and there's just no way we could fit them in on our regular winners, losers, uh, meaningless topic, Instagram model of the day podcast. So Tom reluctantly agreed to do this extra one. So Tom, how's it been going? Good, 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 good. I did discover one thing this weekend, though. <clears throat> I hate golf. You know, <laughs> you know this, but I'll, I'll, let, I'll let our little uh, listeners uh hear about it we we've got a weekend trip set up a boys weekend if you want to say guys weekend out eight man golf friday saturday robert trent jones friday saturday evening poker drinking just i mean that's just it's it's the perfect weekend except for the fact that i realized that i suck at golf i used to could play pretty good but oh man sunday was horrible uh you know the only thing that will save me this weekend is if Bernie Sanders keeps the scorecards. I'm pausing there for the appropriate amount of laughter. <laughs> anyway, I, rec- I, I reckon Bur- I'm just... Bur- oh, Bernie Sanders, I got you. Man, I thought we were keeping <laughs> politics out of this. Oh, yeah. Sorry about that. I think I'm just going to see if I can drink more beer than uh, the strokes I'll be over par this weekend. I tell you what, I want to see you drink more beer than Trippany. Can you do it? <laughs> I cannot the do answer, it. The answer to that, <laughs> folks, is no. It cannot. No. We've got a great Vegas story that we'll have to tell in the offseason. We, we both have some very good Vegas stories, but that will, that will definitely be one. 
Well, let's jump right into what we're going to talk about today. We're going to cover a few topics. And uh, the first one is, man, how about those Auburn Plainsman War Eagle Tigers? I mean, they are 5-0, and looking good. I mean, they, they beat Mississippi State so bad, they even kicked their mascot. <laughs> that was impressive. It didn't get penalized for it. That was very yeah. impressive. I thought Bully went so, out with uh, ACL there. <laughs> you know, uh, Connell today said that he had uh, passed concussion protocol. He will be on the sideline this weekend when they no, host whoever they host. Yeah, we don't we don't want any injuries unless it's to Auburn or Tennessee. But uh, <laughs> anyway, and I, I, as we know, I'm obsessed. I'm a chicken little Bama fan when it comes to Auburn. I've been on Auburn's bandwagon. After they beat Oregon, I'm like, yep, here we go. You know, they're going to win here. They're going to win there. And I I am all in. Uh, We do an eliminator sheet. Uh, Hopefully some of our podcasters, uh, our listeners, uh, do do the same uh, contest. And if you do, a little spoiler alert, Mr. Wrestling number one, two, three, and four have all selected Auburn. But I got to looking at it. Oregon has played really well. I, I did read Oregon had – I don't know what they did this weekend uh, defensively, but Oregon hadn't allowed a touchdown since the Auburn game uh, leading into last weekend's games. I mean, that's pretty darn impressive. But, hmm. man, A&M, they are a paper champion. Mississippi State, I don't know. I mean, Kansas State came and pretty much had their way with Mississippi State. So, really, how good is Auburn? But but the point, the whole point I wanted to make in this is, if you're an Auburn fan, how pissed are you into what's happening? You're you're rolling into October 1st tomorrow. You're undefeated. Your quarterback from last year is playing backup to Tom Brady. So, no disrespect to Bo Nix, but I'm going to say Stidham is a major step ahead of where Bo Nix is this year. Uh, I'd say Stidham was last year. The offense is basically the same parts and pieces, just one year older. The defense, they might find this hard to believe, the defense was probably better last year based on linebacker um, experience. Now I know the you know they've got two guys that should be starting in the NFL right now in Brown and uh, Davidson, but those cats were good last year. Their defensive backfield is a year older, but like if I'm an Auburn fan, I'm like, why, Gus? I, I need some explanation. Why can you do this when your job's on the line, but when you have a pretty comfortable seat, you can't? Yep. I mean that's I I, I attributed that to laziness or contentedness it's almost like um john daly in golf you know there were times when he would go out there and just beat the world uh win on the the best most elite courses against the best pro competition out there and then what did he do after that after he won it all he went on a bender you know, he didn't he didn't go to the <laughs> range and practice his game so he could do that again next week. He 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 celebrated, you know. He he stuck his chest out and went and visited all his friends and, and they threw parties. Uh Auburn, you know, instead of going back to work after their have a uh, successful season, win a championship or whatnot, they they tend to kind of take it easy a little bit, particularly in recruiting, particularly in scheming. I mean, that's that's what I see at least. Um, you know, and you raise a good point about, you know, who have they beat? How are those teams? You know, are they 
Are they elite competition that they've already beaten? You touched on it. Oregon, uh, A&M are, are supposedly their, their two best wins. And, and those are the wins that get you – I looked this up before we before we went on. I think Auburn has the seventh hardest schedule currently uh, by the ESPN metric. Uh, Sagarin mm-hmm. also has them in the top ten, maybe – Let's see, fifth, I think. Yeah, so fifth and seventh. Those those two metrics are seeing the same thing. But when you look at strength of schedule, you have to, strength of schedule can be a little bit deceiving in that Auburn, I think, to date, I mean, if you look at strictly polls, they have played the, what, uh, A&M is ranked 25th or so, and Oregon's, what, 16th, 13th? I don't know that they stayed like in. Yeah, yeah, right. uh, so, so, the fact A and M stayed in is a travesty. It, it really is. But you know, you, if you if you look at that that schedule or that strength of schedule schedule differential, if you beat a lot of middle teams, which is what I, I think Auburn has done, then you're going to have a higher strength of schedule than someone like Georgia, who has played mostly cupcake teams to date, but has got a you know poll-wise, the best win in the country against Notre Dame. So They've played all cupcakes, by the way. Y- yeah, <laughs> right. But but how do you <laughs> how do you draw a conclusion from who the best team is when you, you – you know, is Auburn, say, the 11th best team in the nation and they can beat everybody behind them, which would include Oregon and A&M, but if they stepped up to a top-10 team, you know, are they going to have the same success? I, I don't now, know. We'll, I mean, we'll see this weekend. That's exactly what I was going to say. We're fixing to find out. So I, I'm interesting to see how the uh, Florida game's going to turn out. What they can do on the road. I mean, Florida is going to be pumped for this game. They. Uh, th- when's the last time game day's been in Florida? When's the, I? I don't even know. Twenty twelve. What's that? Twenty twelve. 2012. Wow. See, I'm assuming they have confirmed that's where they're going this weekend. I haven't really looked at it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, it looked like the only game on the schedule. So, you know, that's going to be an exciting atmosphere down there. But uh, we'll we'll see how they handle it. I'm I I, I am. I'm I'm just interested. I'm not entirely sure which way this game. I think I'll go on the record to say this. I think the game will be a two touchdown game, whichever way it goes. I don't think it'll be close. Uh, Auburn will show us that they're doing Auburn things and they'll win by 14 or more. Or if they are just playing middling teams and now they're going to run up against the true defense, which you've you've sort of said Oregon's pretty good on defense, but if they run up against this Florida defense and Florida has their way with them, I think Florida runs away with it. So I, I say at 14, whichever way. Well, I'm going to say this, Tom. Come Saturday, we're all Gators. Uh, well, let's talk about, you know, you mentioned game day going down to Gainesville, first time in since 2012, and I think that's correct. Um, you know, game day was in uh, Lincoln, Nebraska, first time in 12 years, and we all know how that turned out. So let's let's focus, let's shift gears and focus <laughs> on a team who definitely deserves to be in the top five, and I honestly, we're going to vote later on our, or we're going to state who we feel should be in the CFP. Spoiler alert, this is going to be my number one team, Ohio hmm. State. Yeah, I was surprised uh, Saturday. I really was. If you listened to the podcast last week, I thought that Nebraska would be 
Ohio State's first semi-real test. Now, I didn't call for Ohio State to lose the game, but I did think that Nebraska would would be at least you know make a game of it, be close. And I mean mm-hmm. that didn't that didn't hold up at all. They, uh, you know, and I have a theory here, which is going to be an off the wall theory, but you know, Ohio State just manhandled Nebraska just exactly like they have everybody else on their schedule. Now, again, Nebraska wasn't ranked, and none of the other teams were even in FBS, I don't think, but except for, I don't know, is Cincinnati a power? They're not in a power five conference. No, they're in group of five. They play the uh, defending national champions from two years ago this weekend. Uh, is that us? Uh, no, nah, Central Florida. Central Florida. <laughs> I was trying to. I was going back. Like, who the heck are they playing? Uh, but you, you, here, here's going to be a sh- what people like to call hot takes. You know, uh, is it possible that Ohio State had the potential to be this good for several years now, and Urban was slipping? Let that sink in for a that's moment. That's a great point. I mean, that's that's the common denominator that is no longer there is Urban, that's, you know. That's right. I mean, and, you know, we definitely know Urban had some skeletons of the closet he was trying to keep hidden, and maybe it was affecting his coaching. I mean, talent-wise, they've been near the top of the recruiting board for at least five years. I mean, at, at least. I mean, when you look at the number of five stars on rosters and four stars in rosters, they're always in the top three. So – Technically, they should have been winning, which they have. They've out-talented a lot of people. I mean, it's hard to sit here and say that they hadn't been uh, successful when they're going 11-1, 10-2, and that sort of thing. But they should have been contending for the playoff every year and for the championship. But, I mean, it's crazy to say, but Urban may have been holding them back. Uh, I mean, Day's still undefeated straight up and against the spread. Hey, he he may have awakened a monster there. Uh, for sure, and that, and the reason, the whole reason they they weren't in the playoffs the last two years is they laid an absolute egg, you know. Well, yep. I guess two years ago they lost to Oklahoma. That the Oklahoma game kept them out and put Oklahoma in when when Georgia beat Baker Mayfield. But but that but was a home year, egg. They were gonna. Oh, for sure. And last year, you know, they were gonna get in. Who was the fourth team? Oh yeah. Oh, never mind. Notre Dame was the fourth. No, <laughs> mm. were we number one? We were number one. Wired to wire, uh, Oklahoma. Till we got beat. Uh, yeah, Oklahoma was the fourth team. Of course, everybody and their brother knows Notre Dame should have been that number four spot. But you know the the key to Ohio State not getting in was laying the egg at Purdue thirty one. You cannot lose a game by thirty one points and get in the playoffs. And not not no. if there's an equivalent team that didn't lose by thirty one points, which was Oklahoma. And, you know, that was, I guess, the reason I put them on this and wanted to talk about them on this podcast is they have been the most impressive. Eyeball test, they have been the most impressive. I have them over Bama, and we've been damn impressive, trust me. Um, But they, you know, this is the game that where they would lay an egg, you know, and they didn't. And not only did they not lay an egg, they smoked Nebraska. And I, you know, I think all the pundits now are are realizing, you know, they should not have put Nebraska up. You know, a lot of them preseason ranked. I don't know where they were. They weren't top ten, but I mean, they were top twenty five, and that's just ridiculous to see the product they're putting on the field. And I, I don't know, you know, them, Tennessee. I don't teams like that that had the glory days. I don't. How do they get back to it outside of hiring the next Saban? 
And I know they felt like they got that with Scott Frost, but trust me, they did not. You know, Frost did very well at Central Florida, but Nebraska is a different animal than Central Florida. Yeah, when Nebraska and Tennessee entered the world of uh, national recruiting, their programs tanked in a hurry. Mm-hmm. You know, there's not a – previously when they were able to hold on to all their local talent – and people weren't coming and plucking them out of their schools. They were, you know, they were on top of the world. But now that now that people are recruiting nationally, yeah, who wants to spend their uh, time in the Midwest uh, no if you're kidding. not from there? You know. So, <laughs> well, and, no I, and I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna. I read this on the internet, so I'm sure it's true. But back in Tom Osborne's days, they had some loophole. In, uh, in the state of Nebraska, every county got to send one person uh, to Nebraska uh, one on an athletic scholarship that did not count against the 85-25. And again, I read this on Facebook, so um, bonjour. But, <laughs> you know, just think of Alabama. 67, you got 67 counties in Alabama. Each county would get to send one person to the football team on full full ride that didn't count against 85-25. So, I mean, Julio Jones could have come to Alabama and not counted against 85-25. What was he, Bay County? what Whatever whatever county yeah. um, is down oh, there. But anyway, yeah. you know, I mean, like Franklin County is not a hotbed where I live. It's not a hotbed for, you know, recruits at all. We've had a handful really? of players. Now, I know it's a shocker. You know, Russellville, where my daughters go, you know, they've had a couple of three D1s. And, uh, you know, that's been legit, the Sears brothers. and But just think if you got some corn-fed offensive lineman that, you know, you're like, dang, you know, that, that would be a great kid to take a chance on. What well, they could take a chance on him because it didn't cost him anything. They get him on campus, they feed him and work him out for three years. All of a sudden, you know, he is he's he's gone from six three two twenty to six three two ninety and can move. And that that's that was the built in advantage that I've always heard they had. But that advantage is there no more, and it the results on the field show it. I don't I don't see them ever getting back to the the Tom Osborne days. No, they're they're not there. They're they're losing too many out of state player or too many in state players. So, all right. So uh, let's go ahead to topic three. Is uh, we're going to talk about Clemson, and probably go ahead and talk about Trevor Lawrence in this topic too. Not to kill two birds with the proverbial one stone. Uh, as we know, Bama went to number one in both polls yesterday: the coaches' poll and the AP which uh, this is the 12th year in a row that Bama has been ranked at number one Woo-hoo! at some point during the season. And I, th- I think the next closest is five or seven by Miami. Like Saban is setting records that will never be touched again. One, because who stays at a school 12 years now outside of just your elite, uh, the elite of the elite. And, uh, and but here, here's what, here's why I wanted to add this in. Brett McMurphy, very respected uh, college analyst, pundit, whatever you want to call him, Murphy. he tweeted out he tweeted out his uh, top ten yesterday. I, I, I could have sworn I retweeted it, but then when I went went look for it, I couldn't find it. But he had Clemson one, Georgia two, Bama three, uh, and I think you know what I think I'm actually um, no, I'm good. I'm good. Um, checking my notes, and he had Ohio State number four. So, 
you know, the the whole thing with the CFP is the and McMurphy's not on the CFP. So the AP and the coaches poll, they can do as they well please because their polls absolutely mean nothing in the grand scheme. Trash but, polls. You know, the thing is, if I was a voter and the CFP was what we're going the model we're using now, I would try to I would try to vote in the in a CFP mindset. And the CFP mindset is this is last year does not count okay so any only you're only looking at this year so i tweeted back at mcmurphy and of course he did not reply with a winky face nor did he reply at all but i said Shocker. okay you got clemson at number one and with clemson at number one you're telling me that last year matters because there is no way clemson is the number one team in the nation based on this year's results they have their best win they have they their two best wins I guess were Georgia Tech and then Georgia Tech commenced to lose to the Citadel and then they beat A and M who was a gnat's hair away from losing to Arkansas who's the bot the cellar dweller in the West it should be this year anyway so I said okay so with you putting Clemson at one you're saying last year matters but then you're putting Georgia at two Bama at three so now you're saying last year didn't matter because Bama beat Georgia. Bama was a, in the you know in the finals. Bama finished number two in the country, so that really just that oh that just got my got my ire up. And uh, Connell <laughs> Connell had I couldn't think of an appropriate response there. Uh, Connell had Clemson one, Bama two, Ohio State three, Oklahoma four. Again, I don't understand how you can put Clemson at number one with what they've been doing other than you're just, oh well they're the defending champions they have to be up there no they don't no they don't uh you put them where if they, if clemson finishes 12 and 0 I, I, and then wins their championship game at 13 0 there's not going to be everybody's freaking out they do it every year uh oh my god we're gonna have seven undefeated teams no <laughs> come december the 8th or whatever day the championship games are we're going to have maybe one undefeated team, two at the most, and yep. it happens every year. People people freak out. But if you're voting Clemson number one, you need your vote taken from you. Yeah, that I think voting for teams, how they finished last year, and I hear a lot of people doing that, and I think I've heard Cannell repeat this before. You know, you're the champ until you get beat. That is the stupidest thing I've ever heard of, particularly in college where team where players are you know they just plan on graduate. You know, it's not that they mm-hmm. get better or worse. You, you, they're forced to leave the program. So you're you're having a lot of turnover every year in play, uh, players, not uh, coaches. You know w- whatever the uh, case may be, and and saying that a team is number one till they get beat is that's just stupid. But uh, I. Th- I think that the polls, and also we'll extend this to the Heisman uh, vote, I think both the polls and the Heisman Trust, or however they call themselves, they should put out some ground rules on what they expect the voters to do. You know, Do Mm -hmm. Do you vote each week on who currently is playing the best, who currently has beaten the better teams, who currently has the best players, who currently is just undefeated, who do you think will be there at the end of the year? Or, you know, let's let's 
I guess, set a standard for how folks are voting because people are not voting the same way. And I, when I, I'm not saying they should all be voting for the same team. I'm just saying everybody should be using a similar methodology to develop their poll in that, you know, hey, we're voting for teams that have, you know, played the toughest schedule and won all their games. And until they lose a game, if they played the toughest schedule, they should be number one. Isn't that simply the, the way you should do it? If you've played the toughest schedule in the nation so far and you hadn't lost any games, shouldn't you be number one? I don't see why not. I mean, it really seems simple to me. And there's no reason for you to be guessing what a team's going to do because they hadn't played anybody yet unless, like you said, you're using last year's stats, which is ignorant. Mm-hmm. And you know we'll go ahead and switch over over to uh, to Trevor Lawrence since he played. You know he's the golden boy, uh, Heisman favorite to to start the year. And what I had wrote written down is not going to make as much sense because they did they finally adjusted the Heisman odds. I think he went to twenty two to one. He and and this is this is exactly what I wrote down that I that I emailed Tom and the kind of the direction we're going to go. And it's still too early to tell, but how sure are we that Trevor Lawrence is not actually Steven Garcia from 2010 versus Bama? Last year, he threw 30 touchdowns and four interceptions. Very good numbers considering he didn't start till game five, I believe, and heck, he got knocked out of that game. And this year, Lawrence is 84 of 136, that's a 61.8% completion percentage, a whopping eight touchdowns and five interceptions, while Tua, who's now the Heisman uh, leader uh, as far as Vegas is concerned, he's 113 of 148, 76.4%, 23 touchdowns, zero interceptions. And like I said, the one angle I wanted to take on this it has been corrected in Vegas, uh, the 22-1 to 1 odds to win the Heisman, but – you know he was he is he was just anointed as you know the golden child after he did what after he smoked Bama and hats off to him for that but you know you think we had one defensive back that faked an injury and Justin Ross or, or I think this is his name you know went seventy five yards on us and I let Trevor played well but I was at that game I don't have the heart to watch it again but man he was rattled I think we've discussed this on other earlier podcast he was rattled. We just could not get pressure on him on third down, or else it might have been – at least we might have had a puncher's chance. I'm not going to say we'd have won. I, never am I going to get beat by 28 and say, boy, if the refs wouldn't have been against us, we'd have won. <laughs> I'm not that type of fan. But uh, I just – I guess what I'm saying is, to me, the jury is still out on Trevor. I think that question has a lot of validity to it. When you sent it to me, I got to thinking about it, and you're right. And so I went back and, and, and started looking at, at last year's stats a little bit. Last year, Clemson only faced two regular season opponents who were ranked in the final poll. That was Texas A&M and Syracuse. They were 16 and 15, respectively, there. Against A&M, mm-hmm. they had to stop a two-point conversion with just a few seconds left to avoid overtime. And against Syracuse... You remember, and you just alluded to it, that was the game that Lawrence was knocked out in. They were down 10 in the fourth and had to score a touchdown with less than a minute to play to squeak that one out. They were losing that game Mm -hmm. all the way until like 30 seconds to go. No one ever accused them of running a gauntlet to get to the playoffs. 
they were they were winning big now, but they were very substandard opponents out there. I mean, their opponent in the ACC title game did not receive any votes to be ranked in the final top 25 poll. Now think about that. The, the second place team in the ACC that made the championship game got zero votes to get in the top 25. When I say zero <laughs> votes, you know, there's there's a collection of 10 or 15 vote getters outside the top 25. That, that means they didn't get in the oh, top yeah. 40. <laughs> uh, I, what I'm getting at is that based on two wins in the postseason, which they played perfect games. There's no taking that away from them, although they didn't need to play a perfect game against Notre Dame. But based on those two games, how many times have you heard that they're one of the greatest teams ever to play? You know, that's Oh, a, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, that's a huge reach in my mind. It's to me mm-hmm. it's very transparent why they get this title too because you know up until Bama lost to them in the title game, that's what folks were saying about Bama. Now, Bama mm-hmm. had a good reason to tout that, though. They had won the title the previous year. They were bringing back that explosive offense. Bama beat four top 25 teams. Two of them were in the top 10 last year prior to getting to the playoffs. Every one of those teams, they han- hammered by double digits except for uh, Georgia, which they won by seven. Plus, the first-round opponent was an offensive juggernaut that had a who's who of you know, all Americans on the offensive side of the football. And, mm-hmm. you know, the reality is, is when you get in a playoff format, when all the teams are really good, any of them can get hot and they can they can play above their standard. Uh, they, they just can. Mm-hmm. Uh, is anybody telling me that the 2007 Giants, who were 10-6 and six going to the playoffs and knocked off the Patriots, is the greatest team ever? They're not. No. The Patriots were were on the verge of being called the greatest team ever, and they got knocked off by the Giants. But that didn't make the Giants the greatest mm-hmm. team ever. And I, I think no, that's sure. what we've got here a little bit. I mean, Clemson deserved the title. There's no taking that away from them. They absolutely did. I mean, when you get to the playoffs, you win your games, you win your games, you win the title. That's, that's point, point blank. You got it. They did it. But did Trevor catch fire one game just like Garcia did and Clemson get hot at just the right time and have the perfect storm in that game? They, they very well might have. Uh, I'm not going to say he's quite like Garcia yet because Garcia had a lot of eggs. You know, he had a lot mm-hmm. of eggs. Oh, yeah, yeah. But your, your point is well taken. And, and when you told that to me, I was like, yep, that's, that's, that's an excellent analogy there worth talking about and and back to this one point i left out on back to why is clemson number one i'm gonna tell you why they're number one because bama even though we're not the champs we're still the kings of college football we've still got nick saban we've got Tua tongue of a lower we're on the best we're, we're on the best if we're not on the best the only better streak would be another bama streak from the 60s or the 70s but we're on the best strongest winning streak consistent winning streak that that has ever been seen in college football and what has clemson done clemson has beat us twice they want a team in there that can beat big old bad bama that is just my opinion oh yeah it gets them clicks when they uh vote other teams ahead of bama or they jump teams ahead of bama while leaving clemson up there that that mcmurphy's good at that canell is a bama hater as we both know but yeah that that helps them uh Helps them sell their whatever they're talking about, for sure. 
You know, and that's one, another thing uh, I, I kind of realized. We are, I guess, we're kind of false advertising in our uh, Twitter profile. And I don't, I, I haven't listened to our intro in forever. Uh, but you know, we talk about that we're we talk college football, uh, mostly college football, mostly in the SEC, and mostly about Bama. And we've not been talking about Bama near enough. That's why I'm, I'm trying to trying to change that a, a little bit because I figure most of our fans, our listeners, are Bama fans. But I hope they're uh, SEC fans as well, so maybe the, the podcast keeps them interested. But that leads me to the next topic. With all of the, the talk, Auburn is dominating the airwaves right now. Clemson is dominating the airwaves for the wrong reason. LSU, you know, Burrow had better numbers than Tua. Uh, Oklahoma, Jalen's doing his thing. Fields is doing his thing at Ohio State. I, I kind of feel like Bama and Georgia are flying under the radar. Maybe, maybe. Um I think we we definitely would have been flying more under the radar if they hadn't vaulted us into the number one spot this week. Uh, yeah. Up until then, I absolutely agree with that. Now, Georgia may still be flying low, though. I'll grant you that. Uh, but unlike you, I'm still concerned with our defense a little bit. And so I don't know that the us staying under the radar is going to be uh, – advantageous if people if people think that they can i say think if people start putting up points and 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 numbers on our defense that'll be a talking point that'll keep us in the forefront of the conversation you know just uh, just exactly like you alluded to a while ago something negative about bama that can uh uh you know get some clicks and get some listens and that that will happen but uh, but Georgia, yeah, absolutely. That they've got to be really comfortable where they're at now. I mean, they got the big win against Notre Dame, and it just kind of died down a little bit. And they probably won't get much play until the cocktail party, which is a good what four weeks away. Yeah, and I think if, last week of uh, of October. Yeah. So if and if Auburn beats Florida. And then LSU beats Florida, which very well both could happen before that game. Then uh, even then, that game may not be big, and, and they could really just slide right on into that Auburn game with uh, very little fanfare. You might not believe this, but in my notes, Tom, I had written down Bama points given up on D. Uh, that's kind of why I think we're flying under the radar because uh, because we are. You know, the, they don't see the offense, the defensive juggernaut that, that they're used to seeing with Bama. And uh, I think uh, Jimmy Stein, uh, LJS Law on Twitter, he tweeted out that we're 38th in total defense. And that was – I'm kind of like, was that is that good or bad? You know, and, and it's, it's, it's not good for Bama. You know, it would be great for, um, you know, Tennessee or somebody, but it's just not to the standard. But uh, there was a post on Titer Insider, and sometimes – the what what you see is not what actually happened and uh bottom line is i don't know how many total points we've given up this year but i do know this we gave up seven points with about 12 seconds left to south carolina and we gave up seven points with five seconds left to Ole miss so there's 14 points if you will hey yeah if you want to say that we've given up 100 points that's and that's that's a factual statement when in actuality it's more like 86 because my goodness you know especially the south carolina 
they they got those points off a of penalty. You know, it's fourth mm-hmm. down. We sacked them. They called Barmore for targeting. But here here's here's the first half of the Ole Miss game. Three and out. They punt to us. We fumble. They run ten more plays, and we hold them to a field goal. So three three plays, thirteen plays. They get a field goal. Their next possession, three and out. Next possession, four and out. Three and out. Three and out. Four and out. Then the first drive of the second half was seven plays and a punt, and it's forty-five to ten. We get up fifty-two to seventeen at one point. So, yes, the defense, I know stats are for losers, and you can take a stat and you make it look like any way you want to look. But, I mean, what I just told you about the first half, that's pretty impressive. We had a lot of three- and four-play drives, and then they punted. Yeah, that that is very impressive. And I'll tell you what, too, I'm a, I'm still, like I said, I'm a little bit concerned with our defense. And, 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 and the, the, the part that has me concerned is those flashbacks from the title game last year. You, you know you've got to oh yeah you've got to hope that you've righted that ship but i'll tell you this also there's likely not 10 other defenses in the country i'd trade ours for may not be five no for sure so <clears throat> i'd trade them for auburn yeah the numbers and the yards W-D-E. are one thing <laughs> but uh yeah, I, I'm I'm with you there, I, and we still got a lot of improvement to do. You know, the, the, we have a lot of youngsters on that defense, and Saban right now, from what I hear, is is taking a more simplistic approach to the schemes, trying to get them up to speed due to all our injuries and such. So as the season goes on, that defense likely will become a little more complex, a little bit more confusing for opposing offenses, and uh, you, you you likely see full games out of those guys where we we, we don't give up as much yards. But yeah, I'm not I'm not yeah. overly concerned with it right now. Uh, we both we both hope you're right there, and that's what I had been hearing is is where. You know, the only way to get freshmen more experience is to play them in games and. Put them in the fire, and I think that's what we're trying to do. And we're going to have some lumps that you'd like to take those lumps in practice on the scout team, but they've been thrust into roles. I mean, I, I would I would say that Dylan Moses has probably cost us a touchdown a game, give or take, based on his knowledge of you know. I, I figure we could we could probably have one less busted play that leads to that big drive that gets them a touchdown. That's just you know just a guess. Oh, yeah. Oh, and, and and to go on your point a while ago, too, about the 14 points in the last 14 seconds of two games, we've only played five games. That's almost three points per game. I saw the average – the points allowed is, is your best statistic you'll ever have. Absolutely. I don't care if you give up 800 yards a game. If you're not giving up 10 points a game, you're going to win a lot mm-hmm. of games. Yep. Uh, but 14 points the last 14 seconds, that's nearly three points a game on the five we've played. So if we're giving up currently yeah, sure. just under 15, we will be just under 12. We've won many a national title yeah. with 12 points a game. Ain't no question. All right, our last topic before we vote or we put our CFP teams in, uh, The we got to – I'm getting back on my soapbox on the Jalen – Heisman talk. Uh, new odds came out, as I said, Tua is 1.75 to 1. Jalen is 1.8 to 1. He's number two. Fields is 5 to 1, and poor Trevor Lawrence. Little, poor Trevor Lawrence from little old Clemson has dropped a 22 to 1. But here's the thing. If, 
here's what there, I guess I wanted to say this in the podcast where we talked about Jalen, which I believe was the previous one. If they vote Jalen as the Heisman, <clears throat> here's what the voters are telling me. If you can't cut it in the SEC West and you get benched for another quarterback, transfer to Oklahoma will give you the Heisman because Kyler Murray got benched. Remember, we smoked Kyler Murray one year, goose-egged him while he was at A&M. And, uh, and then, you know, Jalen, heck of a quarterback, but, I mean, he just got beat out. He got beat out by a generational quarterback. It's the best quarterback – you know, I'm on the chit-chat boards uh, on a daily basis during the football season, and you got people who have seen Joe Namath play, I'm talking about with their own eyeballs, in the stands, not old, you know, tapes. They've seen Kenny Stabler play, and, of course, they've seen, you know, Danny Werfel. They've seen Peyton Manning play in college. And uh, just insert your quarterback of the day here. And two is everybody's like, two is the best. You know, he's just – he's the best. And that's who beat Jalen, so – you know, and another thing that people are saying is, well, he's just got all these offensive weapons. Well, Jalen had those offensive weapons too. Why didn't Jalen put the numbers up at Alabama two years ago that he's putting up at Oklahoma now? I understand he's two years older and he's more seasoned, but still, we had <laughs> Jalen had Calvin Ridley for crying out loud, along with Judy and Devontae and Henry Ruggs. Yeah, I, I delved into this topic, like you said, last week, and I'm not going to rehash my Jalen Tua ran again. But I do stand by my theory that if uh, it comes down to those two and they have similar numbers, I still think the voters will remember that Jalen was a backup to Tua and he just couldn't win that job. But he, here's one thing I wanted to point out, too, that Tua is doing things right now that we won't likely see again in Bama in our lifetimes. You're right. He's making it mm-hmm. look easy. But it's not just the talent around him, that, although that does help, but it's his vision for the field. 99% of all successful quarterbacks have this attribute. It's even more important when you get to the NFL. How many times have you seen Tom Brady throw to a receiver after a receiver who's wide open, nobody around him? You're thinking to yourself, well, heck, I can make those throws. You can't, by the way. I could. Maybe I could. <laughs> But it's not his receivers are so good that they're always open. It's that he has that vision and ability to find the ones who are open in the midst of that you know chaotic pass rush where three mm-hmm. hundred pound dudes are trying to you know break your legs and such. You can make it look easy, and you're in the upper echelon of the quarterbacks. And uh, you know get, Brady's not going to go out there and win the strongest arm competition. He's just good at reading defenses and finding open receivers, and that's exactly what Tua is doing right now. And it's highly, highly impressive. Yeah, you know you probably could make those throws, Tom, if you hadn't hypothetically put yourself in a baseball uniform in episode one. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so I guess that gets us off. Uh, that wraps up the the month of September. You know, here's the deal: we're not getting any new followers on Twitter, and that is very concerning because we're getting downloads, but nobody's following us on Twitter. And listen, we're a good time on Twitter. I'll tweet something out on the uh, on the targeting not targeting Twitter account, which is actually at targeting. Excuse me, at targeting not. And uh, but anyway, I'll tweet something out on the at targeting not account. Then I'll flip over to my account and I'll like it. <laughs> so you know, and then Tom will like it. Then Tom will retweet it. So we're we're very popular on Twitter we're amongst stuck ourselves. At two. <laughs> <laughs> we need more retweets. 
Um, all right. So I, I text Tom today. I'm like, I think we need to do a top 10 or a CFP. He said, let's do CFP since that's the model now. So uh, let's. Uh, let's all right. Hold on. Hold on. Do this. How about. Yeah, before, go ahead. Before you, before you get into how we want to do it, let me ask you this uh, question on how we're answering uh the college football playoff is this who we think we're going to be in the playoff based on the teams we've looked at to date or is it if the playoff selection were held today who would get the nod oh well and finally one more are we predicting who we think will be selected by the committee or are we giving an opinion on who we think should be in selected okay i made my selections based on if i was on the committee and they said the playoff starts in two weeks. There's no more college football to be played. Who are your top six teams? That's the way I voted. There we go. I had two different lists. Is that lists. the way you voted? Well, I had okay, two li- right, different should... lists depending on your answer. <laughs> Mr. Fa- Mr. Fancy Pants. Hey, right, hey. We're going to go in reverse order. Uh, who have you got at number – I'll just let you unveil yours first. Who you have at number six? Number six, I have Oklahoma. Okay. Five? Wisconsin. Wisconsin. You know, that is one that it did not make my list, but not, not a terrible selection, sir. Who you have at four? Alabama. Oh, I thought we were a Bama, pro-Bama podcast. We are. Number three? We need to get off our asses and play somebody. <laughs> <laughs> Georgia. Uh, number two. Oh my gosh, you have oh Auburn. Gosh. Oh, you're about to get you're about to get chewed out if you have Clemson at one. You don't though. You got Ohio State at one, don't you? I have Ohio State at one. Good man, good man. You had the guts to leave Clemson out. I did not have the similar guts. Uh, you started at six. You could have got you could have caught me with Clemson if you would told me in the top eight because I had them at eight. Had LSU just in front of them. Yeah. Where did you have Notre Dame? Because I have Notre Dame at number 85. <laughs> I ran out of ink. Okay. <laughs> I use pencil. A rookie mistake on your part. All right. My top six, of course, we, we, you already know my number one. And mine and your number one matches up. That's pretty That's pretty good. Cause we did not discuss these prior. Uh, I have Clemson at six. I, I, I think they've shown enough to, to, to be in the top six. Where? But now Wisconsin is not a, a, not a terrible pick. I, I just feel like that they heavy is the head that wears the crown, and they are undefeated. Heavy is the head that wears the crown. Agreed. But look, for, before you go on, uh, contrast and compare Clemson, Wisconsin, who they played and beat so far. Uh, I guess I'd have to get the. Well, can I change my answer? I mean, <laughs> can, I have my own, can I have my own opinion? <laughs> Sorry. Move move forward. Go ahead. Move moving on. All right, number five, I have LSU. Number four, I have Georgia. Number three, I have Auburn. Two, I have Bama. And one, I have Ohio State. And they were bringing up a good point today on uh, McElroy and Connell because they were arguing the same stuff that we're just talking about now. And he's like, you know, Connell was being ornery about the uh, about the ACC and, and McElroy just put him on the spot like, okay, Auburn, Oklahoma, neutral field, who you got? And, you know, Connell's like, I guess I'd lean Auburn. And that's kind of the way I did. I'm like, Bama, Auburn on a neutral field. Now, Bama, Auburn at uh, Jordan-Hare with the West on the line, Auburn all day. But Bama, Auburn in, um, in Atlanta, neutral site game, I'm taking Bama. 
The only team I think right now that I would – the only team I'd be really worried about in a neutral neutral site would be Ohio State. And I still don't know. They've not really played a lot. But, man, Fields is looking good. And how, how bad is it going to be if Georgia misses the playoffs and Ohio State makes it? Yeah, that would be tough. That would be tough. Of course, I did yep. – it sounds like Kirby's you did more – yeah, it sounds like you did more uh, eyeball testing than you did uh, field testing. Just my opinion, sir. Uh, yeah, I mean, probably so. I, well, I had the teams in mind, and if you notice, my two, three, four, five are all SEC. And, of course, we know that's not going to happen. My number uh, my number seven would have been Florida, and my number eight would have been Wisconsin. So all of it's going to shake out. You know, we've got a – I told Tom off the air that I think it's Old Row Official on, on uh, Instagram. They put out every, every Monday, they put the undefeated teams in a little snippet, and they say you can only comment on this post if your team is in the, you know, in the undefeated bracket. And, uh, you know, of course, Bama's up there, Georgia's up there, Auburn, Florida. I mean, Auburn, Florida, one of those is going down this coming weekend. And then LSU's in there. LSU's got a tough road to hoe in October. You know, a lot of people are undefeated at the end of September. There's a decent amount undefeated at the end of October. Very, very few make it out of November. So that that list is going to be dwindling down pretty That's quickly. Exactly right. We'll be previewing that uh, Florida Auburn game in tomorrow night's regular episode. That is correct. And our clock is ticking at 48 minutes. Uh, we are still going to make it in our normal time frame. But that wraps up the, the month of September. I, I enjoyed doing it, and I think Tom did too. Hope you enjoy listening to it, and we'll try to do a wrap-up at the end of October. Looking forward to that. All right, guys. Thank you. Take it easy, guys.